and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 101. Wow, we got there. Let's roll. And uh, this week, lots of things happen, a lot of movement, a lot of... Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, in the preseason, there's a lot of false flags, a lot of things that you shouldn't be paying attention to, and a lot of things that really matter. And we're going to talk about or try and figure out what are those things that matter. And joining me to figure that all out this week is my man, Dan Marino, Dan, Lieutenant Dan Bradley, basically of Barstool Sports now. Dan, what's going on, buddy? What's up, everybody? How's it going? Um, oh, I, I, I feel like you, you messed up. This is the 101 episode, and Nick was Ooh. on, what, what two episodes ago? Good I feel point. like I'm, I'm stealing his thunder, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Uh, to all the listeners, I apologize. I'm back again. Yes. But uh, yeah, we're here to, here to chop it up and doing, yeah, apparently it's the Barstool edition. Well, Dan has a, a tremendous way of like kind of just being pretty balanced and uh, – I think I'm pretty excited to hear everything you got to say about some of these risers and followers. You're one of the guys that one of the guys that's more plugged in. So um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to hear what you got to say this week. And of course, helping me guide this ship this week, third man in the booth. You guys know him, love him, Michael P. Duncan in the house. You'd think with how often Dan comes back, he actually contributes things. <laughs> kind of crazy, honestly. Listen, he might be your most guested guest. Most guested guest and probably the least favorite, you know? No, exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. Everybody loves him. So, um, so Michael P. Duncan, you're going to steer the ship. You know, I'm on vacation. I'm several drinks in. And it's only nine in the morning. It's nine in the morning somewhere. No. I, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's not good. But Listen, I, I'm excited. You can't drink to, all day if you don't start in the morning. So. That's right. That's exactly that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's <laughs> Even right. if it's someone else's morning. <laughs> that's right. You got you to drink 24 hours straight is what we're telling you. But no, Michael B. Duncan, you're going to steer the ship. You're going to tell us where we're going. We're going to talk all about these um, these players. I think there's a bunch of them that have moved a lot. And I'm curious to hear what Dan has to say. So help us out. Well, first things first, before we even get into that, and this will bleed into a little, a little bit naturally, but... The big news, the thing that everyone's talking about today is the fact that Deshaun Watson has reached a settlement with the NFL. Uh, it is now official. It is 11 games. He has suspended 11 games. He will be back week 13 against the Houston Texans, and he was also fined an additional $5 million. So he's gone most of the regular fantasy season. He'll be back a couple weeks before the fantasy playoffs. But for the first time in who knows how long, we have clarity on his future. So I guess a good way to start out is what does that mean for you guys for Dynasty? Now that we actually know what is going on with him, he's got a long-term contract. He's on a team with a decent amount of talent, uh, a head coach that people seem to like. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been able to talk about Deshaun Watson with a clear idea of what his future looks like. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's exactly that. Like It's the first time in a long time that we've been able to say we know what's going on and we can take action based on that. And I mean, I feel good about it. I mean, you know, 11 games was probably what we originally thought was the, you know, most, most likely outcome. We, we kept saying eight to 12 games. So yeah, that's where it is. The 5 million is irrelevant to everybody, you know, in the world, nobody gives a shit. And so he'll be back week 12 or week 13, excuse me, because their buy is before, um, before that against Houston, which is poetic justice. 
Hopefully they kick, Someone, hopefully they kick his ass. But you know. there, there is a Reddit post somewhere out there with a deep dive into the conspiracy behind this entire thing about how they scheduled that game, knowing that it would eventually be an 11 game suspension. Hmm. Uh, and I can't wait to read that Reddit post. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, I, I just think it's, it's great for him in Dynasty now. I mean, you know, he has clarity, you know, you, you know, say what you will about him or, you know, who he is. But, you know, right now, I think it's definitely uh, very, very good. Uh, for those that are rostering Deshaun in Dynasty. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, obviously, situation aside, if it was a, you know, he hurt himself and he was going to be out for 11 weeks, it's kind of like the same thing at this point, like Dynasty-wise. So I think, honestly, this this moves him up in Dynasty ranks because now you actually have a set date and something to prepare for, and you know you'll get a couple of games this year. This, this year's a wash, let's be honest. But moving forward, now you know, like, starting 2023, he's legitimately ready to go. So I think this moves him up the dynasty ranks. Yeah, I think it's hard to draft him uh, in a redraft league. I mean, you know, it's really – it'd have to be a specific league, like some sort of super flex situation or – I don't know. Like, basically redraft, he's still kind of semi-undraftable because you have to roster him 12 weeks without dropping him as as a backup quarterback. That's tough to do. So, you you know, why would you do that if you have one of the top quarterbacks? You'd only do it if you had a, one of the bottom quarterbacks. But if you have one of the bottom quarterbacks, you're probably trying to stream. So you need the extra roster spot. It's really a thin draw as to why you'd have him in a redraft league. That being said, I did draft him in a redraft league today. Um, 16 team, whatever. It was total, uh, that's unique. Yeah. And that's the point. Yep. But um, but I think in Dynasty, you know, it's like it's perfect because he comes back for the playoffs. He's actually valuable this year. You know, in most dynasty leagues, you roster several quarterbacks. So I think it's I think it's great. If you roster him and you have a good team, not a bad setup to have him coming back for the fantasy playoffs. So a quick this or that real quick. Uh, don't look at your rankings because I want to see how you feel about him without looking at your rankings. Fair enough. Would you rather in dynasty, would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford? Deshaun Watson. Watson. Uh, all right, Dan, you've already lied on your rankings. Trey Lance. I mean, I'm, I just said I was moving him up. Okay, I'm just saying. Deshaun Watson. Or who? Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Uh, Watson. Jalen Hurts. Mm. Watson. Yeah, Watson. Trevor Lawrence. Mm. Watson. Yeah, Watson. And this will be the last one, Dak Prescott. Dak. Super close, super close, probably Dak, but super close. That's right there. Like, isn't that yeah, that's, like, I think everyone above him, I think is a pretty easy, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the other guy, but I think that's around, I, I, for fantasy personally, I think Deshaun Watson's a better play than Dak. Um, that's what I mean. That's why I might move him up. You know so. I mean? The 11 games look by the beginning of next year, where will you have him? That's the real question. And, and trying to understand how, where he values now, versus where he'll value in 12 months or whatever. Understanding that is really how you play Deshaun because, you know, if you're a team that that is rebuilding, you don't want to sell him light right now because he's only going to increase in value. So he's a good asset to have on your on your on your team. You know, if you're trying to win it all, but you need a quarterback to play during the season and your your roster would depend on him otherwise, I mean it may be a good time to trade him. So it's just sort of like where you're at, but understand that he's going to appreciate in value, especially once he hits the field and plays dope because he's awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, before I've, I've consistently moved him down my ranking. So I think I have him like quarterback 14. I don't know. Are you looking at the rankings right now? Um, yeah, you have him 14 right now. Yeah. I mean, before that, I mean, he was in the six to eight range, which is about where he landed after those questions. Yeah. So I've consistently moved him down with the unknown and especially like, you know, what Jackson's talking about, like this year, uh, you know, this year, I get understand dynasty is a two to three year window, but this year matters. And if this is a before today, a lost year, you know, you kind of have to drop him down a little bit. But yeah, as, after today, I update my rankings. He's going to be in that six to eight range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that feels about right to me. You know, uh, the, the there's that look. There's that Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar, Kyler. Yeah. You know, that's that sort of elite five who are like, you know, either give you you know, huge rushing upside and, or, you know, 50, 50 touchdown upside at young ages, like Mahomes Mm -hmm. and Herbert. I think we all kind of agree on that. then there's the guys like Burrow and Dak. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to start thinking about Watson and dynasty right after Kyler, Mm -hmm. you know, the top five. So six, as you point out, and while Burrow has great, you know, floor for the, like, I mean, he's going to be great for so long. Deshaun Watson gives you more ceiling than Joe Burrow. Yeah. So you, you got to start thinking about him there. Honestly, possibly more than Kyler too. Yeah, Kyler, exactly. Kyler's yeah. a first half player and then he trails off. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the point is that, you know, Cardinals once the, he, he is elite when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, you know, talking about Watson, right. 11 games, um, you know, you, you saw on the timeline, there's a lot of like, that's not enough or, or whatever. And that's, Besides the point at this point, like it's 11 games. It is what it is. Obviously, you know, would have loved to have more for what he did, but whatever. Uh, You know, a lot of people brought up the fact like, oh, sweet. So this, you know, sarcastically, like this gives him $46 million next year, which is like, yeah, it's good for him because his contract doesn't toll. But I think if you kind of like zoom out a little bit, it's actually worse for the Browns because now they lose him for 11 games and get Brissett, who we're going to talk about because I want to talk about Cooper and Dejoku. But they get Brissett for 11 games, who's a mediocre fill-in. And then his contract does toll. So next year, he gets his $46 million, which then means instead of $1 million next year, which helps their salary cap amazingly because they're negative $32 million right now and over the cap, they have to account for that money. So they're probably going to miss the playoffs this year because they lost Watson for most of the year. And now next year they have to pay him that $46 million. So for Watson, yeah, this is a great suspension. I think this actually hurts the Browns. Hmm. It almost would have been better if he got 12 or more games because then they could just kick his contract a full year. And in 2023, when the cap explodes, they don't have to pay him a million. Now they have to pay him 46. Wow. So I know not all of that is, I'm pretty sure not all of that is cap, but. I think that makes a big difference like on the team level because they have to account for that money now when if they had a 12 or plus game suspension, they wouldn't have had to. That feels like a little bit of a silent middle finger to the Browns organization totally. from Roger yes. Goodell. I did not know about the whole tolling thing. Like that That's brand new to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of love it. Um, like he, he should be suspended forever, like whatever, obviously. That was never going to happen. But if you're telling me 11 games plus a middle finger to the future of the Cleveland Browns for signing him and giving that or trading for him and giving him that contract, I'm all for it. Yeah, it, it, it hurts. It I mean, it hurts their cap. Yeah. I mean, in theory, they were, you know, 
planning for it because they only gave him a million this year. Yeah. And I still think it hurts them because they have to account for that money moving yeah. forward. That is that is pretty brilliant by the league if they were kind of, you know, just pissed off at the whole situation the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And it, it does look like it, at least, you know. And they should be. It lines up. So yeah. staying in staying in Cleveland, you mentioned it, you know, it was funny because I, I, I keep trying to find a spot for Jimmy G, you know, and just, I just feel yeah. like there, there should be a spot for him. You know, he is one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. That's unquestioned. He may be top 20, 25, somewhere in there. I mean, he's no elite quarterback, but he has, you know, he can, he can take a good team to the Super Bowl. We all agree yeah. with that. He's, you know, sort of shown that before, but I don't think it's in Cleveland anymore. And as you point out, it's going to be, you know, not very good quarterback play. And there's some weapons there that we like, you know, in the, in the backfield, um, obviously Amari has shown, you know, um, the ability to be consistently good, maybe not great. And Joku has gotten paid big time. A lot of people have him as a sleeper, you know, obviously Chubb and hunt, but even a guy like DPJ Schwartz, those types of guys with Watson, they have fantasy. David rele- Bell. Yep. Fantasy relevance without him, They are zeros period. Mm-hmm. And so, it's kind of hard to, to sort of handicap this team because we're going into the playoffs by the time, you know, um, Deshaun is back to make these guys relevant. What are your thoughts about them, Dan? And you can start wherever you'd like, but what are your thoughts mm-hmm. about some of these weapons? I think the Brissett thing hurts the running backs the most. And so, you know, today I was looking back on, on what, not Watson, on Brissett and, I, I think there's a sneaky buy window actually for Amari and Njoku. So, and, and my theory with it is I think Amari's a 2023 20, second on keep trade co- like equivalent. Brissett's not good for fantasy. We all know that like on the whole, but in a micro, I think he actually does provide some like maybe not sneaky upside value, but some value. So in 17, when he played most of the season in Indianapolis, T.Y. Hilton had 109 targets. He had a 57 for 966 and four. And then Jack Doyle, Jack Doyle, had 108 targets for 8690 and four. Mm. He targets, he hyper targets a wide receiver and a tight end. And he did yeah. the same thing in 19. Hilton only had 10 games, but in six games, he had 16.3 points per game. Mm. And Jack Doyle for the full season went 72 targets for 43, 448, whatever. Zach Pascal had 72 targets. So he does like to hyper-target like two guys, and it seems to be oh, the number one wide receiver and the tight end. So you know, I think Dan, this provides Dan, a little bit of room. Dan, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because generally speaking, when you, when you think about a bad quarterback, they tend to target their f- number one targets more, mm-hmm. or at least as much as before. They just can't generally uh, sustain multiple weapons in the offense, but it actually stands to reason. It's like, we're going to call this play. Your number one reads Amari. It's like, okay, well it's fucking going to Amari. You know, I'm not good enough to like, you know, you know, uh, establish the pocket and go through my reads and and move all the way down to like two and three to, you know um, you know, uh, assignments on a play. They just lock into that number one receiver Mm -hmm. and hope he's open or throw it away or fucking throw a pick, but they tend to lock on. So yeah, Amari should see probably a, a higher target uh, share, but I, I just, the efficiency should be really bad. Like, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, it was like, um, he's like 6.2 yards per attempt. And like Deshaun is like 8.5. Like it's just, it's just mm-hmm. going to be so much better when, when um, Deshaun gets back. But what, what about Njoku? You think he'll be okay too? Cause I'm not as sure about that one. 
it's it's tough because you just you have to look at what Brissett's done in the past and I mean, and like like I talked about in 17 with T.Y. Hilton at 109, Jack Doyle had 108 targets. The se- after that, the third leading receiver had like 47 or something. 108 targets. What did he do on those 108 targets, if you don't mind me asking? I know Joker's eight- more explosive, but still, let's hear it. Yeah, 80 receptions for 690 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, very pedestrian, even with huge volume. For sure. 600 yards, four touchdowns. And that's the thing, like there's no real touchdown up the side with you know, yes, Harrison Bryant or Njoku, where with Deshaun, those two guys have huge touchdown upside. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Harrison Bryant goes as like tight end 30, 32. And when he's actually a sneaky buy right now because, you know, he he's worth, you know, he's worth nothing right now. But I, I swear by the end of the season, like a tight end two like that could have a few games of like one or one or two touchdowns a few weeks in a row. Um, they do like to play two tight ends. Mm-hmm. and play the two running backs a lot with those two tight ends. And they don't really have a number three receiver. I know they've got David Bell, but between DPJ and David Bell, they can kind of split that second receiver. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't mm-hmm. see a third guy that's like pushing himself onto the field over tight ends. So Harrison Bryant could play a little bit. They might even play his ass with um, Brissett because this team, you know, is probably going to want to keep it on the ground. You know, chub, 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 right? Yeah, which is the touchdown thing is – the big issue, right? Because I think I think the volume target, yeah. at least target wise, is there for Njoku and, yep. and Amari. But I, I I think for Chubb, I think they're just going to stack the box. Yep. And if he's not getting the receptions, because that's the Kareem Hunt role, mm. I, I think this this hurts uh, Hunt and Chubb the most. Yeah, I don't like either of them very mm. much right now with Brissett. I agree with you. Like, I really don't like anybody in that offense. But I think that could be the buy opportunity because at some point we're going to start getting closer and closer and closer to Deshaun playing. And those holding the players on that team will start getting more and more excited and not Mm -hmm. wanting to sell. But I think right now is a good time. If you like any of those guys long-term now is a good time to go in and buy them because people are like, Oh shit, 11 games of this nonsense, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I I would think now's a good buy time. I'm sure you agree. Yeah. And I mean, they just gave Njoku a ton of money. So he's there, you know, He's going to be there. So, yeah, this is, again, it's like a, it's tough because it's a buy window, but you're also buying at a known dip, and it's going to be a dip for most of the season. So it's, you know, it's a tough. Uh, and I keep trying to find a place for Jimmy G, and I want it to be Cleveland, but maybe, you know, it's still Seattle. I don't know. I don't know, man. Everybody, whenever I say Seattle, they're like, why would San Francisco trade him to Seattle? And, of course, every single time I'm like, because they're going to release him. And then Seattle yes. can just sign him. And, you know, people don't really get that, that I think it, you know, Dan, you're the contract guy. First of all, what do you think happens with Jimmy G in that regard? Do you think that they release him and is there a good reason to do so? And then maybe, you know, you can take it to, uh, to take it to Seattle where I th- would love to see him play. I think he's, I think everyone's just waiting for him to get released. I mean, he's due 26 million on the cap, but if they cut him, he's like, they save like 25 million. Like he so it's like a 1 million dead cap. It's, it's ridiculous. So I think all the teams that are quarterback possibly needy are just waiting it out because they know San Francisco is just not going to do it unless, I mean, in theory they could have Trey Lance insurance, but yeah, I don't think they want to go that. Exactly. No. Cause I think that's a massive quarterback controversy that they don't want to deal with. Right. And the it's expensive reason- to pay yeah. that for a backup quarterback. So it's on top of unheard of. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you know, Dan, before you, before you go, um, I'm thinking we did this a couple of weeks back where I went through every single team 
Mm-hmm. It just went like alphabetically. And there was like, there's like no teams that at least feel like they would go after Jimmy G. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's just like, it's just littered with no's. And the one that I came up with that I just wonder if they have the, the will to do it was the New York giants who have Daniel Jones, who look, if, if they're one in four and, and I forget who it was, who was with me, was like, Oh, well, they'll just tank at that point. If they're one in four or oh, and three. And I wonder if they would, or if they'd be like, let's go fucking get Jimmy G. I mean, I think they should go get him right now, but that's just because I'm like, you know, um, non-delusional. It's tough because I, I've thought, I thought about that exact thing too. It's like Seattle, like in theory should get him because Locke is awful and Gino is mediocre at best, but I think they kind of want to lose to get a better pick. And that's almost the same thing with the giants is they have Tyrod Taylor who I've, I think I've defended in the past. He was like, he's, he's fine. I think a lot of the teams that in theory could actually use him don't want him because they want the better pick and they want the, the chance at like CJ Stroud, for example, I think Jimmy to, he gets cut to like the Rams and Matt Stafford, you know, tendonitis insurance or, you know, uh, uh, the chiefs and Matt Pat Mahomes insurance. I think that almost makes more sense. And what we're likely to see, because you bring him in, he, if you bring him into a team, that's a bona fide contender, there's no quarterback controversy. And you now have great Super Bowl insurance. I mean, he was one throw, one pass away from Emmanuel Sanders from winning the Super Bowl. Yep. I think that's what we'll end up seeing just because a lot of those really shitty teams probably don't want him because he's going to make them good enough to not have an early draft pick. Do you really think there's teams that are thinking that way right now, though? Head coaches, no, but GMs should be. Hmm. I was going to say that smart teams are. There are teams that are stupid and aren't. See Panthers, Carolina, who have done this like three years in a row. And they've like, but I think that I think Carolina is actually a really good reason that a lot of teams are starting to realize that mid tier quarterbacks are not worth acquiring for a crap ton of assets, whether it be money or picks, because what difference is it really going to make? They are not going to win you games. They themselves are not going to win you games. And they're probably not going to win you a Super Bowl unless you're a really, really good team. And that's where, to me, it comes down to an injury like mm-hmm. that like or Tom Brady retiring, which apparently is like being talked about again because Todd Bowles was like, I know it's 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 shit, yeah. whatever. But he was being uncommittal. Like to me, if for some reason Tom Brady retired, I would call up Jimmy G in like a half second or I yeah. guess I would call the. Niners, but regardless. It's a really good take, Michael. Um, you know, but um I I just wonder sometimes. I wonder if these teams are so self-aware. Like I feel like the NFL Not all of them are. You know, like the Giants, the Steelers, like, you know, I maybe Pickett's better. Maybe Pickett's better than we thought. I don't I I don't know. They already have Mitch. I'm just saying, like, they they went all in on this Trubisky, you know, Pickett thing, and they're not gonna go for Jimmy G, but I just wondered if they were if they think that that's like, we got this, we're good. Or if they, if they ever wonder, like, did we fuck up here? Like, I just don't know. Like, I wonder sometimes because you, you, you sort of get the gist that like in New York, the whole time they're like, Daniel Jones is going to turn the corner. He's good. Like, like they're never, they were never like, you think maybe this guy's a fucking rubber. You know that's what I mean? Never- GM was stupid. I'm just yeah. saying like, you know, GM ownership, who, who in that building has the sort of, you know, idea that like, maybe we've like, 
who's ready to well, be wrong? Well, the new GM probably does. Who, who's ready to be wrong, right? Like, when we have well, a but, dynasty team and you fuck it up, you're like, no, no, move, quick, get off this shit. Like, the Giants, you know, sometimes new, NFL teams are new so brain trust, close to the whole they're not situation. Wrong. The money, this the is what we were given. Agents, we have Tyrod sort of now. Band, I don't think thing. they. Yeah. I don't think they are going to be scared to pull the plug on Daniel Jones. And I also to go back to something else you said. I don't think the Steelers went all in on Kenny Pickett. They drafted him in the twenties. Going all in on a quarterback nowadays is trading three years of your future to trade up for him. The San yeah. Francisco model. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I think there's a slight and you pay Mitch Trubisky what like less than ten million dollars. Like yeah. That's that's very different than the Carolina model. I mean, like honestly, I think the Steelers did less to acquire their quarterbacks than Carolina has done for their first sure. awful mm-hmm. quarterbacks. So yeah, yeah, and Damn. you just have to think like Dable, like he he has a year, and he already actually already said like, hey, the best quarterback that's going to play. So he already kind of planted the seed that like, hey, if Daniel Jones sucks, like we're going to bench his ass mm. and like Tyrod Taylor will will be the guy. So I think that seed's already been planted. I The Steelers would make sense because they actually have a really good team outside they have a really of good quarterback. Team, yeah. Yep. So like Jimmy G would be a good upgrade, but I think they're so invested with yeah. Pickett and Trubisky. Yeah, they can't do it. They can't do yeah. it, but like New York could do it. And I mm-hmm. wonder if they have the will to do it is basically it. Like, would they just be like, oh, let's try tire, like just kind of run out the clock over there and just be middling and fuck it all up. But I mean, you know, that's not a team that I think is, is a player away anyway. So I don't think that it's necessarily that smart for them. Yeah. I totally Carolina has viewed themselves as close to a player away or at least a young quarterback away. Whereas the giants, again, a new GM, new coach maybe everything changes but they are very far from a player away a quarterback away, yeah. especially one worth what 26 million dollars yeah 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 so i just wonder i don't think we're gonna find that spot for jimmy g i just don't i'm not sure you know i just traded um mitch trubisky straight up for jimmy g in a dynasty league and i don't know i mean i felt kind of good about it getting jimmy g back just because i think he's the better quarterback so you know neither one of them was really going to be my starter so i was like well i'll play long term and mm-hmm. i traded um, Trubisky to the picket owner so I felt like he found more value in that I don't know I mean I might have fucked it up but I think that if you ask me who's got a better chance of starting games at quarterback in 2025 Jimmy G or Mitch Trubisky I would say it's Jimmy G but remains to be seen these both both these guys could be backups from here on out it's definitely possible as the musical chairs uh, churn in Seattle what are your thoughts about how Drew Locke and Geno Smith sort of affect this team and where are you at with this team here I I don't know. Maybe I'm a Drew Locke hater. I just think he's not good. Like he's 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 not good. So I don't I don't know if he's better fantasy wise for for like DK and Lockett. He might be because he just fucking throws the ball wherever the hell he wants and yeah. whoever catches it half the time it's the other team, but like whatever. Um I I think Gino's a better real life quarterback. And that's I honestly I I didn't watch the game tonight so I don't know what exactly he looked like but I guess he got a lot of playing time and you know this was his audition. I was curious. I th- I think you know between it's really between you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think DK Metcalf. And I'm curious what you think about this. I think he almost provides like a really nice buy window 
Yes. And it's, but it's kind of the same as Amari Cooper in the sense of like this year might be, might be lost, probably is lost, but you're getting like a top five talent for maybe a single first, maybe even less if someone's like really off of him. Yeah. I think DK is like a great buy low player right now. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the, these are the types of players that you can buy on almost any roster too, because, you know, I mean, DK, yeah, you're right. I, I, well, I said it last week, Dan. I said, imagine if you swapped Gabe Davis and DK Metcalf. Like, yeah. what would you think about DK right now if he was just where Gabe Davis, like top <laughs> five, like, right? Like top five, like redraft even, you know, like you'd be like, dude, DK could be, I mean, what the fuck, you know? So it's like, that situation, it could be something similar to that next year for them. You know, because mm-hmm. look, at the end of the day, it's not going to be Eason, Geno Smith, or Drew Locke next year starting week one for Seattle. I mean, you can that's almost like the surest bet you could make in the world mm-hmm. is that it won't be one of those three guys. So it means it's somebody else. And I don't know who that is yet. You know, is it, you know, Stroud or whatever? You know, and and if it's one of those rookies, even if it's one of those rookies, I mean, those guys at least – uh project to be mm-hmm. prolific if not effective early they're going to be big time players right that are going to try yeah. and push the ball down the field and look to a guy like dk metcalf so yeah i think dk and honestly there's no guarantee that one of those two guys is going to have not going to have a good year like it's possible that you know it's going to be very tough for them both to be good this year that's like yeah. uh, i mean almost a zero percent chance but it is possible that one of them just sort of gets all the touchdown luck or whatever and just somehow ends up being really good and the other one just kind of disappoints you know that's possible it could be dk this year he could hold up and 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 give you a good solid season you know thousand yards eight touchdowns you know something like yeah. that you know 1200 yards maybe i don't know yeah in in redraft i'm not really in on no them. <laughs> but he could save you even but, if you if you buy him yeah. in dynasty he yes. could kind of save you and and you know without giving you a totally lost season where you're like you know 700 yards five touchdowns i mean that would be like the the floor for you know lockett and, and metcalf that we don't want to see if you're holding in dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. I like them. I lock it. I'm, I wanted to be higher on because I just like him as a player, but he's already turning 30 in September. And he was like already losing value with Russell Wilson at quarterback. So now you have a, like a major downgrade and he was already a kind of a roller coaster player, like for points per, you know, Yes. You know, he'd he'd go for 150 and two touchdowns and like two catches for 30 because their offense was stupid. I, I'm, I I hate it because I like Lockett, but I think I'm completely off Lockett. Yeah. Makes sense. Another guy that, that camp has loved, uh, Dan and Michael P. Duncan is, uh, the infamous now Isaiah Pacheco. (laughs) It's really cool actually, you know, because, (laughs) If this guy hits, I'm actually, we all love it, right? The undroppables. This is our guy. You know, this is the type of stuff we love. Like, we weren't all over him on this pod. You know, Michael and I were not all over him. We we talked about him here and there, and but we weren't we weren't pressing the button for Isaiah Pacheco every time. And, you know, looking back, it kind of feels like maybe a little bit of a miss. But I think these are the types of guys in Dynasty that you have to decide. You, you know, even when the when the buzz is swirling, you want to throw out some feeler bets and see if you can't acquire him for just a little bit less than the projected, you know, bump that he's getting. Cause now he's like a 23 second is what it's required to get your hands on an Isaiah Pacheco. That's what's required. And that's amazing. I just got that trade offer. Someone yeah, I would me- sell him for a 23 second in a heartbeat. I think oh, that's I a smart trade. I think that's a smart. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a smart trade. Michael P. Duncan to turn it down. I agree with you. Yeah. But what I'm saying is 
you're not going to get the Pacheco owner to sell you for a 23 third. Yeah. It's just that I don't think that's happening as often. You know, I think the, 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 the hype is there. Look, this kid is on a very thin depth chart. And if they like him as much as they like him, what do we talk about uh, in, in fantasy football for running backs? What's the number one thing? Opportunity. Look, if he gets it, I don't give a shit if, uh, if he was good, bad, or otherwise uh, in college. I just want to get opportunities at the NFL level. And in that offense, the reason we like Clyde edwards Lair, who was a mediocre player, was because of that opportunity. So I, I think he could do a lot worse than Pacheco. And if he hits, he might hit big because he could be better than CEH. That's not out of the cards also not a very high bar no it's 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 not a high bar and for the like the pacheco owner that sent me you know my second for him like i get it i would send that off if i rostered him i would send that to every single owner in the league and hope someone bites it's just it's such a tough i mean that's a huge bet to make and uh i wouldn't do it but honestly if you're the pacheco guy if you can get it do it but then honestly just hold on to him hope for one or two big weeks, and then you could definitely sell for that second. If he shows out in week one or week two, you're going to smash on a return. Yeah, I, I I wonder a little bit. The other guy that's been uh, catching some eyeballs and uh, is moving right on up all, um, like, best ball everywhere is Romeo Dubs. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about Romeo? Is he a guy that, you know, is a, a splash in the pan or whatever you want to say, or is he, like, here to stay? I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers just had the sort of meeting with the wide receivers after saying they weren't progressing enough, which, by the way, makes sense. They're all a bunch of either scrubs or rookies. Yeah. So um, stands to reason they're not progressing. Or yeah, yeah, or both. Yeah. Uh, maybe both, right. Tell us, is Dubs both or what, buddy? I think, uh, I mean, I know you've talked about him a few times on the pod. It He f- feels like the bet to make. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm on Twitter way too much as it is. I've seen zero Christian Watson pub whatsoever. And I know he's coming back from a couple of different things, but like nothing. Tanyan, we, we've kind of gone back. I, I, I always hit you with the, you know, the Alberto, like who has the same ceiling. I'm like fucking Tanyan does. Cause he could catch 10 touchdowns because he's kind of done it. But I think dubs is kind of the best bet because they have zero wide receivers. And as much as I love Aaron Jones of like possibly catching or getting a hundred targets, like that's very unrealistic. Dubs is feels like a really good bet. Yeah, especially at, at cost. I mean, Lazard mm-hmm. feels like the wide receiver one. He feels like the guy who's gonna play the Adams role, I say, but at what He's level? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna play yeah. that role, but at what level does he get to? I mean, fifty percent. You know what I mean? It's like yep. he's not going to be Adams because he isn't, but you know, you wonder if they sort of put him in that role and Rogers just has that sort of trust factor type of stuff. I mean, it could be interesting. I, I, I'm with. I actually think Aaron Jones can get 100 targets, Dan. I think it's I, actually in the realm of possibility. I would like it because I've I've said it several times of like that's a possibility. I just I think I'm wishing it. Yeah, more but, than anything. But yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like you said, like Rogers had that meeting with wide receivers. He also had that quote where he was just like, we need our 11 best on the field and mm. our 11 best counts, Eleven Aaron Jones and A.J. Dobbins. A.J. So Dillon. It, nice job, A.J. AJ Dobbins. Jesus. That's great. A.J. Dillon's. Late on uh, the East Coast. Yeah. Well, you know, Barstool edition. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if they're both going to be on the field at all times or most of the time, he's going to get a ton of looks because that's kind of his role. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, speaking of the uh, 
the uh, barstool edition. Good job. Dan went to the uh, went to the Carolina Patriots uh, joint practice and got a uh, pretty cool video of the brawl that hurt the fan and posted it, you know, just whatever, just threw it out there and like Barstool immediately uh, approached him and said, we want it. We want to send it out. They sent it out. And, um, you know, some other news organizations used it. So bravo, Dan. Yeah. The Barstool thing was pretty crazy. Um, the, uh, yeah, the athletic picked it up. Um, Barstool picked it up. Barstool didn't reach out to me though. I'm kind of mad at them, but, uh, yeah. And and it's funny. Wait, Dan, you're telling me that Barstool did something that they probably could have handled better or more professionally? Well, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna besmirch them because I'm a big part of my take guy. Uh, but I'm just uh, saying that shocks me. <laughs> Seems very me. very out of character for Barstool's. They place. did credit me on the tweet, which I know they've gotten trouble to several hey, times in the that's past. That's a step. That is a good step. But um, someone else actually tweeted out like the picture or the the video of the play itself, which you're they announced you're not supposed to do. I'm glad somebody got it. But yeah, it was a Christian McCaffrey like run up the sideline and he got a late push. It, it honestly, it wasn't that bad. And also that was after the Panthers player completely blindsided and knocked out Christian Wilkerson and sent him to the hospital, which was ridiculous on a kickoff play. But yeah, uh, McCaffrey got hit off to the sideline and then just a major brawl ensued. And luckily I had my phone out. Got the video. It was pretty sick. The video has over a hundred, uh, over a hundred, over a million views, which is wild for me. It is also over a hundred views for those. It is of also, yeah. I was going to say a hundred million, but that's mathematically not, correct. Not, not too much, but yeah, over a million views, and I got a pretty cool video, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun when that stuff happens. You're like, oh, what's going on? Why does everybody want my stupid video? And oh yeah. It, I, getting reached out from like so many yeah. different like between boston media and carolina media like hey yes. can we use your video i'm like yeah fuck it why not Go yeah ahead. that's pretty cool and um you know speaking of those two teams some risers there certainly mm-hmm. um ramondre who we have to we're contractually obligated to mention on every single podcast <laughs> so we got another mass hole in the house so dan i mean are we just i don't i don't really usually even like Patriots players, but I feel like Ramondre mm-hmm. has some serious upside. You with me on this one, or do you think I'm maybe a little bit over my skis? No, I so I, like I projected the Patriots offense, and then with the James White news, I changed it a little bit. With you know, I, I and actually, you saw my projections. I had James White for almost nothing because I wasn't sure about the hips, so it didn't change a lot. I think Ramondre still stays in a little bit of that early down role. I don't know how much changes and it's tough because Mondre is getting a lot of first team looks, a lot of second team looks and, but a lot of hype is with Ty Montgomery. And, you know, when they go hurry up throughout preseason and the practices, he's the one being the pass catcher. I think Mondre gets a really, maybe not a really nice, but a, a decent bump. I don't know how much his role really, really changes um, with Ty Montgomery there because he is a, somewhat kind of maybe a little bit proven pass catcher a uh, pass catcher but uh it's tough at the end of the day without we've always had like a very distinguished this is the pass catcher in the your role league. yes exactly and now we don't right uh, well, last Harris, last year we didn't have it either and it was surprisingly all of a sudden brandon bolden ex- well exactly <laughs> right so like it could be ty <laughs> montgomery but it 
might not be too. Like we, we get <laughs> surprised by these things sometimes with, with the Patriots. So I wonder, I wonder if Ty Montgomery is just, that's his role only. And, you know, but between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, you would figure the Patriots would like to keep one of those two guys on the field more than both of them off the field and Ty Montgomery on the field. Mm-hmm. I, no matter what, you know, I just don't know if either of those two guys is good enough to play that role as Ty Montgomery in in, in a spe- specified role. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see. That's really the question, isn't it? Yeah, and, and everything I've seen, those two are splitting very consistently the first team reps. Yeah. And like Harris was a fine pass catcher in college. Yeah. They just refused. I think that might have been a McDaniels thing. I don't know. Who knows? They refused to re- use him in the pass game, really. And Mondre got that little bit of a dual role. I could see both of them seeing more receptions or more targets because those are their best two guys. Yeah, it's but a, it's, it's a scary it's a, a scary situation in redraft, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll 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 see how it plays out. I mean, it's not exactly a a high potent offense, you know what I mean? So, uh, oh, were. there we go. Let's go. Well, well, that's the thing. So you you think they weren't, but if you look at they were the I think the sixth or seventh top scoring offense last year. True, they were highly efficient. Yeah. Now the issue is McDaniel's is gone, and fucking Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Yes. Are the play callers. That's, That's obviously the issue. Yes. They were a good offense. Yeah. And when you look at their pass catchers, none of them blow you out of the water. No. But they're a bunch of twos and threes. I think they're deep. So, and, and Janu is getting a big there role. We go. I love Janu Smith. That's the next question I was going to ask. So just go yeah. there. Like, Janu has been getting all the targets in practice. We've, we've been You're hurt. both morons. Yeah, see... Michael P. Yeah. Duncan. We did this last year. We did this last year. You're both morons. I know. That was too loud. No, no. You, yeah, no. It's just uh, you do have Say a little Say it again, but louder. Or yeah. Less loud. Yeah, no. You're right. You're right. Um, it, I was just about to say, I mean, Michael B. Duncan yelled the words out of my mouth, which was, um, you know, we've been hurt before. You know, John, mm-hmm. who is just like way, way too like tantalizing and never comes through ever. He's never done it. Like we loved him in his last year in Tennessee mm-hmm. where we're like, this is it. The, the, you know, it's it's clear. I think the, that was the high ankle sprain. He was good, and then he got the high ankle sprain. Stop I know, it. it's just, it's just rough, it. man. It's rough. He did. How many like how many seasons though do we have to make excuses? Mm-hmm. He was good until this high. How many games was he good for? Like three. That's the, that's the over. It's been like six position. years. Yeah. That's the tight end position, though. Like, but it's it, but it's not. It's <laughs> it it's well for bad ones. For bad, for bad ones, it is. Yeah, but like Tyler Higby had a good year, and then he fucking did yeah, not. Yeah, but he had a better year than Johnny's ever had. Well, of course he did, but but like the point is, like after the first like four or five, like it's a massive crapshoot. Mm. I'm not saying John who's that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't even I'm say saying, it's a massive crapshoot. I would say it's time to move on oh, after the first. It four might or be. Five. It might be. But you know, at the end of the day, you Hunter know, Henry's the top guy there. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying John who is is someone that they got rid of their fullback so he's going to play that kind of like especially back, move yeah. position yep. he's going to get carries he had nine carries last year he's probably going to get that again this year because they like to do that especially towards the red zone he's going to get slightly more looks i'm not saying he's a top 12 guy by no. any means no I'm not saying that no no i wonder but if he's ever going to be relevant again yeah i just wonder if he's ever going to be relevant again i mean you know i mean it, henry 
Henry goes down. He's not obviously that changes everything, right? Yeah, no, but, but I mean, I, I think Henry gets uh, Johnny gets a little bit of looks. I think going into last year, we envisioned a little bit of two tight end. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the people made the awful comparison of Gronk and Hernandez, which was ridiculous. Yeah, but, it. but honestly, like we just felt like you know, uh, Bill had proven that he would be willing to play different personnel to suit his skill. Uh, you know, and we felt like well, they paid them guys the most money, and they're better than Nelson Aguilar, so probably we'll see some two tight end. And we didn't see as much Jono as we thought we would. And now in camp, he's like leading the fucking team in targets. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Is that just a mirage? It probably mm-hmm. is, but yeah. it could be something. And I think at his cost, I just I just nabbed a share of Jono and, and put him on the back of my roster. And I'm ready to cut him if it's no good. I picked him up for free, you know? So, I mean, ultimately he's available on some waiver wires. He's like past tight end 30, 35 in dynasty in a lot of situations. So I think he's relatively easily attainable. And if he ever has a prominent role in Mac Jones offense for a year or two, it's worth something. And the value to get him is nothing, but I do agree with passionate Michael P. Duncan. He's probably a shit bag. I just, I just, I hate this conversation that we have every off season. Like, and it might just be the way that I approach tight ends, which is like I would much rather bet on Adam Trauman, who's in his third year. And yeah, we haven't seen it yet. We saw it for a little bit, but like I'd rather see it for a little bit over two seasons than six seasons and have hope. But in a couple of years, I'm going to give up on Adam Troutman if he doesn't do anything. Like, I'd rather bet on, obviously, mm-hmm. Cole Komet's an easy one, but like Adam Troutman, the, the Adam Troutmans of the world, the Irv Smith, like, I just, oh, I don't know. Sure. That Those are the type of guys that I prefer in Dynasty because Johnny just feels like the type of guy, like, if you haven't dropped him already, like, then what what is it going to take? Oh, I, I, and listen, I'm taking Irv Smith a thousand out of a thousand times over Johnny. I fully agree. Uh, for what it's worth on, you know, keep trade cut, Janu is worth a little bit more than Adam Troutman. They're both 2023 20, fourth equivalents. They're both fucking nothing. You, you know what's crazy? For both, I would take Troutman because he is the lead tight end. I get it. I'm just saying they're both kind of up in the air. Yeah. And in redraft, Cameron Brait going ahead of Jonu Smith, Mo Ali <laughs> Cox going ahead of Jonu Smith. I take we're, Cox. We're not talking about, yeah, sure, but I'm just saying we're not <laughs> yeah, talking. There's a clip. <laughs> he's the tight end 29. You know, it's not like, yeah, there's a clip. I'll, I take, give me, give me Cox. Give me the Cox. Uh, yeah, just, just, uh, I'm all in on Cox. Um, but uh, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's not like he's expensive in any format. Mm-hmm. You know, nowhere is he is he expensive. So, like, even in a best ball, he probably goes undrafted in many, mm-hmm. many best balls. So, like. He's a last round of a best ball, third tight end when you've got maybe, you know, I mean, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a fourth round pick in in Dynasty. Just no investment. He's not going to be drafted in your redraft league, but mm-hmm. he's an he's just a player to keep an eye on. And in Dynasty, I think he's just an easy add just to see what happens. Speculative add. You don't have mm-hmm. to pay anything. Just put him on your roster, see what happens, you know, because he has a little bit of upside given his athleticism and how much he's disappointed us over the last three years, you know? Yeah. And and honestly, in best ball, like in tight end, you're just looking for touchdowns. Yeah. And I think he sees a slight bump in touchdowns this year, and that's really all you're looking for. Um, and talking about dynasty, actually, I'm, I'm curious, Jackson and Dunk, uh, I think I think you're both in the league. I traded uh, Jalen Rager for a 2023 fourth or a 2024 fourth, 
And yeah, 23 fourth. Yeah, 23 fourth. So, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, somebody commented, like, I can't believe you got anything for him. And then uh, Tommy was like, it's a fourth. Who gives a shit? Like, there, it's like a 1% hint rate as it is. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, like, what is your viewpoint on, like, trading a fourth for, like, a probably shitbag player? But, like, it's all nothing anyways. Well, that was just one of those things where you didn't want to drop him. You know, exactly. you're 100%. like, I probably need to, he's, he's borderline droppable in that league. I think that's a league with a couple defensive players in it. Right. Like yeah. uh, we have a couple IDP slots. So, dry, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's yep, a couple yep. like IDP slots. Uh, that is the league I went undefeated and won the championship last year. <laughs> just <laughs> noting that. And when you I said that to me, I, when he <laughs> said did. that to me, I'm like, have you seen Trust my fucking process, roster? Baby. I was like, have you seen my roster? I don't need Rager on this motherfucker. Back off. I'll, I'll take the 412 over the fucking, you know, but yeah. anyway, um, but you got the fourth and ultimately it's because you're about to drop them, but you don't want to, you know, give up nothing. Yeah. I think that's fine. Just, you know, search a fourth and, and put something in there. I mean, it's better than dropping them. And for the other guy, he's like, well, I don't have to put in fab and maybe you'll decide not to drop them and hang on to him. He's like, fuck it. Here's an opportunity to buy on a, a first round talent. And for a fourth, it's a good buy too, um, especially if your roster is not a winning roster where you can just sort of stash some guys and see what happens. I mean, it's just as valuable as a twenty-three fourth. And it's not hard to get a fourth if you really want to get a fourth round pick back. Like, it's not hard to recoup. Yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah, I would hard. say I like I would agree with you that I, I'll almost all, if it's a guy I'm about to drop, obviously just take whatever you can get because mm-hmm. picks at the very least, like they will gain value. Like when we come around to draft time, like. I think you'll be kind of surprised at what you can kind of get. Maybe not for a fourth itself, but like by throwing it into a trade. Like, yeah, we've all done it. We've all overpaid for like a later round uh, overpaid in comparison, obviously, but for like a later round pick, because there's that one guy that you just know is going to be a hit in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. So you pay like a little more than you probably should for it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think there's any bad part about holding that pick at that point. We put this in just to torture Michael P. Duncan about his Philadelphia Eagles. There was no <laughs> Dan actually he messaged me about it earlier. There was no quality dynasty <laughs> uh, content there. Sorry, listeners, but that was fun to torture Michael P. Duncan. Move moving on, Dan. One of the things I wanted to mention uh, was you know we were just combing through some of our dynasty rankings, and you found some guys that maybe we're a little bit different on, and you know sometimes it's like you know. Uh, maybe there's a big difference or maybe, you know, one of us is wrong or maybe we just haven't moved a guy up. So, you know, we'll talk about it, but uh, where, where did you want to start? What was one of the guys that you were kind of surprised that we had pretty different in our rankings? I think I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start with the, the pod favorite and the Mr. Bridge man, uh, Mike Kosicki. Yeah. Throw so, him off the bridge. Yeah. I mean, looking at, looking at our rankings, um, I have them all the way at 12 and you have them at 20. Uh, you know, I, I think part of Daisy, I think part of that might be, I know that's, I don't want to say shtick because that comes off as a negative connotation. Um, but you, you do like to have a little bit of fun, uh, especially on Twitter. Um, I think 20 is, is too low for someone in that offense, but I, I know it's not a high volume offense, but I'm just curious where you, where you see him. And, you know, I think 12 is maybe high, um, you know, I, uh, I'm the highest actually on the undroppables, uh, but I'm, I'm curious why you have him so low. Well, <clears throat> I will tell you that I had him higher and then I was like going through and I was like, you know, just really asking myself, would I rather have this mm-hmm. guy or that guy? And of course, like, you know, when you have a, a, a bias against a player or for a player, mm-hmm. you're going to break ties with that bias. 
So I probably did that just a few too many times, dropping him down. But honestly, like basically, he's just a fade at value. Like mm-hmm. last year, you yeah. know, I remember we were going into the year and I had some, you know, sort of disagreements with some people on Twitter about Yasiki. And I was like, he's going to need like 120 or 130 targets to like pay off. And I think he got like 110 and ended up as like the tight end nine or 10, like nine, eight or nine. Like in, he just, he just didn't pay off. He didn't win you a single thing. He didn't do a single thing. And he kind of hit his ceiling. Like he got everything you wanted. He got all the targets. He got all the wide snaps. He did. He was great, but he just didn't come through. And that's what my fear was with him. And, you know, of course it turned out I was specifically right about that, but you know, I'm wrong about plenty. But not that. I, I just don't think Gasicki offers you enough um, upside, mainly also because he doesn't play tight end. He doesn't play in line. Mm-hmm. And if he is in line, they don't he's not he's a wide receiver playing in line. They don't give a shit. They just the defense treats him like a wide receiver. They're not afraid of him blocking anybody, so they don't care. So around the goal line he can't play. You know, he's just never gonna be a guy that, you know, gets that he has not shown despite his amazing athleticism. He's never shown run after the catch ability. So Gesicki's just one of those guys that I just don't see the upside because I don't see the touchdowns or the or, or the run after catch. And without those two things, uh, what what are you paying for at tight end? I'd rather have the touchdown upside of some of these other guys. Um, and, and specifically going all the way down to guys like, I'd rather have Irv Smith in Dynasty or Albert O or Brevin Jordan. You know, mm-hmm. I'd re- just rather have those guys. They have upside. Hunter Henry, yes. Cole Komet, all these guys. So there's just a ton of them, and all of them I'd rather have than Gesicki in Dynasty. Fair. And, and especially the touchdown thing. My my pushback would be, so like last year, 112 targets, like you just said, he got, the, you know, the 110. Um, he was tight end seven, I think, overall, and tight end six or seven in points per game, which I think matters. Yeah. I the 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 inclusion of Tiger Hill obviously is massive um yes. and that's where I might at 12 I'm probably a little bit too high on him uh he is a slot receiver like you 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 say it all the time on the pod and I thousand percent agree um he also he only had two touchdowns last year and the the last the previous two years before that he had five and six so right you're you're taking away probably almost what 40 targets realistically like Tyreek's going to gobble up a shit ton um but you think like he has a little bit of that touchdown aspect with five and six of the years before i think two is a little bit yeah. low yeah um but i i think where we really differ is looking at you know someone like i, I it's actually it's kind of the same thing as like an alberto where he has two uh, i'll say two much better wide receivers over him brevin jordan i feel like is a hopeful because a quarterback is just not as good. The offense isn't as good. Um, You know, the the way I look at tight end, especially in dynasty is like who has shown to be good at a young age and like who continues to like have a decent upside. And I, I I think Kosicki has touchdown upside, but he definitely loses a lot of like PPR value because I think Tyreek Hill is just going to take a shit ton from him. You know, who's your tight end 24, 25, 26, right? And if I look at your 24, 25, 26, and maybe you've moved them since then, but Austin Hooper, Tanyan, and Higby. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that you don't think you can get whatever you're going to get from Gasecki from any of those three potentially? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know that any of those three are going to not outscore Mike Gasecki or if all of them are. Like, I'm not that confident that Gasecki is mm-hmm. going to outscore them. 
And so for that reason, I think he goes in the bucket of sort of streaming tight ends, not high upside tight ends. And while I agree with you that it's probably, it's pretty likely that Gasecki will outscore Brevin Jordan this year. I actually don't even think that's a hot take. Like, I think it's more likely that he outscores Brevin Jordan this year. But if you tell me one of them goes for 1,200 yards, I'd be like, oh, Brevin Jordan did. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think he will, of course. But, you know, it's like he has that upside in that offense as a, a guy who can see 120 to 130 targets. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. But, like, he has upside as, like, a very high usage, probably, like, number two target on that team upside. Whereas I just don't see that from Gasicki. And even if he does, like I said, like you said, he got 112 last year and didn't really hit his ceiling. He was like, you know, just top three in targets, I think, but did not get in the top five or mm-hmm. six on a weekly basis, um, you know, in, in, in fantasy points. So I just don't see the ceiling. And for that reason, I don't want to pay that ceiling price. You know, right after I get outside the elite guys, I'm just looking for ceiling. And that's why I've liked Alberto. He's a hit or miss. Even in Joku this year, like, you know, yeah. they paid him a bunch. He has so much more ceiling than Mike Gesicki. Again, he has lower floor, grant you, but, you know, I don't know, man. Gesicki scares the hell out of me, especially considering you pointed out he's a wide receiver and they brought in two, Tyreek Hill and Cedric Wilson. Sneaky. Mm -hmm. He was pretty good for Dallas and they paid him a little bit of money to come in. Um, You know, I I would imagine Cedric Wilson is a better slot receiver than Mike Gesicki. That's just my, my guess. I don't know. I mean, he's probably as good. So that's could be a problem as well. Yeah. And, you know, looking at it, you know, I, I think 12 is probably too high. Um, and that's where I think, you know, 20 might be too low, but I get it. I just feel like with an improved offense of, you know, Tyreek Hill, I could see five or six touchdowns from Gesicki. And I think that bumps him up with yeah. the tight end landscape. I, I feel like I talk about it a lot. The tight end landscape is such a shit show. You're just trying yeah. to find, you know, tight end upside or touchdown upside. And that's exactly the, the Cole Komet issue. I would say that Gesicki provides you floor, not ceiling. And yeah. and the floor is much mm-hmm. shakier this year, mm-hmm. which is why I'm nervous. Like last year, I felt like the floor was there. I was like, yeah, I think he will actually, you know, I, I said, tight end seven. Time. yeah, I thought he was going to show, you know, top 12 tight end, you know, mm-hmm. performance last year. And I, I, I think I had a good bet with one of the Miami guys, Sarney, you know, you know him. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I think we were right around seven or eight. I was like, will he be better than that? So we, he ended up on the number, you know, we were like, we, we kind of thought, I just didn't think he had that ceiling and, you know, so whatever, he ended up right on the number that we bet on. So neither one of us could dunk on each other, but you know, basically that was kind of my point was like, that's what I think he's going to do. Even though mm-hmm. he saw 112 targets, that was all he could do for you. So moving yeah. on, who else you got that you think I'm crazy on? Cause I obviously won that one. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, you have, so you have fields at 10. Yeah. I have him at 16. Yeah. I, I love fields. And and like, actually you talked about it with Nick Whalen on the last pod. I think all three of us are like very much in line. Like we love him as the player. Mm. My concern is like his offensive line is fucking bad. He has Mooney. Who's fine. Cole Komet, who is a, maybe okay maybe okay tight end yeah. and nothing my concern with fields is just i just he has to survive this year as like a middle mid midding mid type of quarterback and then <laughs> easy for you to then, say oh yeah right yeah like a mid-level quarterback yeah. but then and then hopefully next year they get like a top end wide receiver yeah, you're I scaring think me off. Of dude, it's just it's funny because like after the top 10 or whatever, you know, 
like I want to move him down. Maybe I should move him down right now. I'm going to move him down right now. Oh my God. I want to put Lance ahead of him. I suppose I should, I probably should. I'm going to do it. You know, I know everybody has Lance ahead of him. I had the Lance Lawrence fields as a mm-hmm. like single, like, um, tier just cause it's like, well, these three guys are all good. They all have their own issues. I think Lance probably has less issues than fields. I'm, I'm moving them up. So like, even just now, like Lance, I mean, excuse me, fields is now down to my, my quarterback 12. And when, and, and when you compare him to like a guy like Russell Wilson, like if we're in a startup and you're like, take Russell Wilson over fields, I'm like, okay, fine. Let's do, let's just do that. Like mm-hmm. all the guys behind him, Stafford, Carr, cousins, Rogers, you know, like mm-hmm. if you were like, uh, no, let's just take, let's just wait and get, you know, I'll be like, all right, fine. Pass on fields. So I, I'm really not that happy about him at 10. And I, I think you're right in this case that, Fields is a scary proposition in Dynasty that I would never pay that top value for. So I, I don't know that I would pay top value for these other guys over him. Um, I'd probably wait after. And I've kind of shown that. Like, I'd much rather, if you're going to get one of the elite guys, great. If not, I'll just wait. Who mm-hmm. knows who falls to you, whether it's, you know, Lawrence or Tua or whomever, who cousins, yeah. right? Like, whoever one of those guys falls, maybe two of them. You know, you can pick on the, uh, you know, on the ends of a, of, of a dynasty startup or something. I'm fine with all that uh, as opposed to paying up for any of these three guys, quite frankly. And I, I, I said it last week. What do you think about this? The guy I'm most confident in, pay, confident in paying up for right now is Trevor Lawrence. What do you think about that, brother? Honestly, I, I, I like it. Um, he had, what, over 600 pass attempts last year with a, just a terrible, terrible team. Now he adds Kirk, he adds Zay Jones, who I know fantasy-wise people like who gives a shit, but I think real life he might provide something. He's been doing awesome at camp. Gets Evan Ingram, gets Doug Peterson, shout out Michael P. Duncan. Uh, right, Doug. gets gets that, you know. Doug, coach. big balls, Peterson. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> he gets big balls, Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, does, he gets a massive coaching upgrade. Uh, I don't know you know, weapons this year is a fantastic outlook, but he has like such an amazing resume and pedigree and like looking at like, he's going to be the dude. I think, I think T law is a great buy. I, I, he's not a buy low. He might be a little low. I don't know. Like in some leagues, he probably falls. I mean, people aren't excited to draft Trevor Lawrence because he's not a win now asset really. Yeah. And like, so you don't want to spend up to get him, I think in a lot of, in, in a lot of drafts, you know, but, um, we both have him at nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're both high on him. I think uh, so. I, I, but I think we're in the right spot because I think he projects so well. Yeah. And what about the weapons there? I, th- I think you mentioned one guy that's kind of a sneaky, um, player right now, Zay Jones. Cause it's mm-hmm. probably going to be Marvin Jones, Zay Jones and Kirk, Kirk. which yeah. leaves like LaVisca on the outside looking at this is a very strange, uh, wide receiver group because, you know, I don't know who's going to be there. It's probably the answer, probably nobody, but I don't know who's <laughs> going to be there at the end of the year as sort of that guy we should have been targeting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually I think Marvin and the hard part is like Marvin Jones is like been like a very like sneaky, good player for several years now, but all of the camp publicity has been like Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones, Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones. Um, I wouldn't overdraft him by any means, but in your last like two to three rounds, I feel like especially like best ball, go for it. Yeah. You know, get get that unique build. I don't but think he, anybody's holding Zay Jones and Dynasty tightly. No, yeah. no, and you know it, it really is wide open. I mean, I think yeah. Marvin Jones had 
over I, I haven't looked it up, but I'm pretty sure he had like a hundred and something targets last year. So he does have some connection, but I just haven't seen anything by it. I don't know if he's injured. This might be me talking out of my ass. But Zay Jones has been getting a lot of publicity and there's there's something there. And if you can get him for like a 2024 fourth or whatever, like just go for it. Just try it out. Marvin because Jones had 120 targets last season. 120. So yeah. perfect. He had a lot, but is he is he alive right now? Like is he is he playing? I don't I don't know, man. You know, you know who had the the quietest hundred target season last year was LaVisca Chanel. LaVisca, yeah. Dude, hundred <laughs> targets, six hundred yards, and zero touchdowns. Like, wow. But um yeah, he did have a hundred targets, which is very interesting. Now you bring in Kirk. I just don't know what that pass sort of tree looks like. Like, you know, yeah. Kirk obviously is the number one. You mentioned Ingram. Um, you know, however long he can stay healthy, he'll be a target. I don't know if that he can he, catch the ball. I don't think he's holding. I just don't. I don't see it there. I mean, um, you know, Arnold, Cooper was on go. here. Coop was on here and, and mentioned him, and I see the the case for him. Like that's clear. Mm-hmm. But I also there's just a lot of lot of pitfalls and traps with him that can come up and grab you. And I, I, yeah, I just don't. I don't trust him to stay healthy. It, it feels like an offense you want Trevor Lawrence and yes. probably no one else. Yeah, maybe ETN. I was gonna say yeah. I think ETN. We're talking about running backs that could have a hundred targets. He's a bit of a dark horse for that, yeah. but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. What mm-hmm. do you think about that, Dan? I've been I've been wondering like what ETN's role is gonna be. You know, just what his usage is gonna be, and the hundred target. Uh, ETN is an interesting one. It's, you know, you're hearing a lot of the same noise that you heard for Swift before last year. Mm -hmm. And I don't hate it because I think it's similar. Bad team, you know, great college talent who caught a lot of passes should be viewed as such in the NFL, yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, he's got a hundred targets and you're like, Oh yeah, we should have seen that coming. Uh, Do you think ETN is that or something else? I, you know, for, for redraft, I'm, I'm kind of in on ETN because I think what is he's what? running back 21 off the board or so yeah, fifth round or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great bet because why not in, in that offense? Like it's so wide open. Uh, the, the Liz Frank injury still scares me dynasty wise. Um, and I, I think the last time I was on, we talked about like ETN versus JK Dobbins. And I was like, I, in, in redraft, I like ETN more, but in dynasty, I like Dobbins. And I don't think that's changed. I, I th- You can come back from an ACL. We've seen it a million times. Year one off an ACL is not good. Year two is much better. Shout out Saquon Barkley this year. He's going to smash. Yeah. Um, the foot worries me, but I think if he's, he's young and healthy, I'd take the bet on ETN at running back 21. Moving to the wide receiver position, Dan, you know, you, um, you, you you don't like my ranking of Devonte Adams. Tell the people why I'm an idiot. Uh, it, it's not that I don't necessarily like it because I I I know you. You're an ageist in mm. in Dynasty. Um, but I, you know you have Dynasty. Um, shit. I don't know. You're an you're an ageist, and you have Devonte Adams at uh, wide receiver wide receiver eleven, and I I think it's a little bit low. Yeah, and, and I I get right. He's going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. I don't think it's that much of a downgrade. And and obviously quarterback play Aaron Rodgers is better, but I think the volume is still going to be there for Adams. And he's 
arguably the best wide receiver in, in football in like real life football and yeah. then real life. Uh, you know, Derek Carr had 626 pass attempts last year. I don't think that's going to change all that much with Josh McDaniels. If anything, it's going to be a, probably a better offense. McDaniels is a fantastic offensive coordinator and we know they have that college experience. You know, it might be a dynasty one or two year window thing, but I think, I think Devontae Adams is still a fantastic player in dynasty. I just moved him up. You're right. It's tough, man. I was on the clock um, in our club championship, mm-hmm. which is the 16 team redraft league where we put as many undroppables in there as possible. And, I win it every year. No, I'm just joking. I actually haven't. I did. I did lose last year. But all right, listen. In that draft, I took Devonte Adams over Steph Diggs on Ooh. the clock, and uh, it was tough, man. I was thinking Diggs, and I took Devonte Adams, and it was a little bit surprising, um, you know, because I wasn't sure. I tanked for a while. I'm like, man, this is a tough decision. So in redraft, I think Diggs and Adams are neck and neck. I probably am leaning Diggs, but I was like, I. I don't know. I just went with Adams on my with my gut on that moment, but um, that just tells you that I think you're right. I think he's going to have a big year, um, and he, you know, if he's still going to be a surefire top half wide receiver one uh, on a weekly basis, then what are you really even worried about in dynasty? Just ride that for a couple of years. He's got a yeah. big contract. He's not going to be like gone next year or anything like that. So I think you're probably right, and uh, I just moved him up a little bit. Yeah, and. and... I get it. I mean, he's what, 30 years old. So yeah. at the end of the day, like you have to kind of move those guys down because yeah. it's, it's dynasty. You're, you're looking at two to three year windows. Um, but in the next, at least one to two, I think you're going to get a shit ton of volume. And, you know, Adams kind of willingly left Aaron Rodgers to go to Derek Carr, or as you like to say, David and Derek Carr. Yeah. They're, uh, they're both there. <laughs> yeah. They're both there. Uh, you know, there's something there where he's like, no, I want to go be with my college friend. True that. Yeah. True that shower narrative, baby. Um, and and, you know, um, it's just funny because like I've said this before in terms of dynasty and I, I, I'm guessing you probably either play this way or at least understand the idea of it. Like during the season, like when it's the season's upon you, I play dynasty a lot more. If you're trying to win, Mm -hmm. I play dynasty a lot more like a redraft league, you know, like, you have to, who's good this year. Like if you're trying to win, I want the player who's like Cooper cup last year, you know, like he wasn't the best wide receiver in the NFL every year of his career, just last year. So if you're in a league last year, you can pay up for him because he's kicking ass this fucking year. So it's the same type of thing. Once you get into the season, you know, it's okay to pay for a guy who's like just having a career year. Who's obviously, you know, that locked in. Um, But then when the season's over, you have to, you know, go back and look at it. What is, what's the likelihood they repeat that and how old are they? And you sort of move those older players back down in your rankings. And then, well, the season starts and Devante's either going to be dope or, or maybe mediocre, right? Like maybe the target competition, the touchdown volumes down a little bit. And it's like, well, he's, yeah, he's good. He's like the wide receiver 13 every week, you know, mm-hmm. well, if that happens, then, you know, having him as the wide receiver six or eight, in dynasty looks stupid but if he's the wide receiver three or four then having him as the wide receiver 12 looks stupid you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. it's just you know he's going to be somewhere in there you just don't know exactly where and once that that efficiency in that top end top you know wide receiver one sort of production falls off then the age matters more right yeah yeah and that's i think that's still the hardest thing to try to 
way in Dynasty. And I think uh, I was talking with Dunk about this a little while ago, the way, especially like outside wide receiver, uh, but my my running back Dynasty rankings are almost like a redraft ranking. Um, and it's really a one to two year window because so much changes in running back year to year. Bingo. That you almost have to be a like when you rank like quarterbacks, like it's a three to five year window. It's a, you know, wide receivers is a two to three tight ends. It's who, who cares? Yeah. But, like, but like running backs almost has to be one to two because like it, it, it changes so much. And, you know, you, you just look at guys like, Oh, Saquon Barkley, right. We, you have met 10 and I'm at, I have met 13. Realistically, we're probably, he's probably going to finish what we both think probably top three, top five. Yeah, so but in Dynasty, we him, yeah. we're way too low. But in Dynasty, right. you're like, well, you don't want it for more than two years. So it's like running back, to me, especially in Dynasty rankings, are such a shit show. Yes. Well, it can end quickly. You know, we've yeah. seen it too many times where it's the just cliff. like, boom, it's over. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm holding the bag of, you know, of shit that nobody wants. And Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry could be that guy. But Gurley was the guy before, you know, yeah. I mean, Gurley was like a round one startup. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he was the 1.01. I mean, he's not <laughs> rostered. So, you know, that that's crazy. You know, you just don't see that very often at the wide receiver p- position, that mm-hmm. precipitous fall, which is why I always say, if you're not winning, get off your running backs, trade them for a bunch. Cause that's the other thing yep. too. These running backs are actually more valuable in trade than the wide receivers. So, yep. you know, but yet the wide receivers are more likely to have staying power and age a bit more gracefully. And, you know, you, your, your out window is a little bit bigger and easier to spot. So anyway, and, yeah, well, and put it that way. So like, I just did a, a dynasty startup, uh, for myself and then, you know, kind of, a uh, the UN invitational one mm. and my build with Brian, uh, in the invitational, and then also my own one, I kind of built it as I want my young quarterbacks, my young wide receivers, my tight ends, whoever, and almost essentially build a zero RB dynasty team and mm. then just buy running backs for like 20, 23 seconds and, and do it that way. And just like, you know what? Running back fall off a cliff as it is. Let me just buy someone that's good for that year and say, fuck it and, and, and get my guy and almost build a dynasty team that way because yes. it's such a shit show. Like you have to either pay up like 101, 102, 103, 104 for JT or just get James Conner last year and, and get crazy value. And like, yeah, you lose a draft pick in the future, but you win now. Like, yeah, how I mean, do you, you can how kinda, do you get startups? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, when I wrote it, you know, uh, the Dynasty Game Theory startup strategy was like mm-hmm. centered around uh, drafting young wide receivers as much as possible in the early rounds, just because just like you say, like, you know, trade back too. you know, so trade mm-hmm. that spot that you're going to take. JT for all of it, or, you know, one of those quarterbacks, there is a little bit of an argument now to make sure that you acquire one of these top quarterbacks now too, because mm-hmm. I think they hold a ton more value. I don't know that that's been like that, you know, four or five years ago, we didn't really see it that way. That's yeah. sort of a new phenomenon. So I would probably just alter that and say like in a super flex, understand the value of those top six quarterbacks and oh, don't yeah. just sell that first round pick. That would be one of those guys light. You either draft the guy or sell it fucking super expensive. Um, but for, when it comes to the even. running backs, okay. I feel the opposite. It's like I don't want to pay up and mm-hmm. I will sell for even a little light just to make sure that I get value, move on, and and build a roster that's lasting. Like you say, I mean, I don't know about a zero RB, but 
I'll yeah. just take RB uh, value where it, where it comes to me in a startup because I don't necessarily want to want to overspend. And, and like you say, if you can move back and gather some future picks, that's where the running backs are cheapest and most efficient because you get them, like you say, in their early part or that, that first uh, contract is usually when they're uh, the best value. Yeah. You don't want running back on their second contract. That's just, it's just not good. Um, right. Here, I'll put it this way. It's bad radio. No one cares, but like the recent startup I did, I got, I traded up to get Lamar Jackson. There you go. And then my, my wide receiver core is T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Bingo. And, yeah. and then my running backs, you'll hate, but it's like Kenneth Walker, Kenny Gainwell, Naheem Hines. But I'm going into this thinking like, all right, I have like a decent RB2 in there somewhere. Yeah. I can trade a second for some old guy. Like I can get people there. But I, I didn't want to reach on a running back that I know. Like running backs, they're like cars, right? Once you take them, it's a depreciating value. Yeah, unless you draft them. You know, that's the yeah. thing is like, you know, you, you took Javante at the 110 last year, you know, yeah. and it's like now he's he's up. Know, I mean, that's that's rare that you yeah. get a true appreciating value in, in right. Well, not backs. from the draft, I don't think. I mean, you know, JT was from a purchased, draft. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. JT was purchased yeah. from the 101 and like you could get you could get multiple yeah. first, you know, Swift. And I mean, all these guys, you know, they just they generally hold their value. I mean you know, CEH was probably the one example of, of the guy who didn't, and he still has some value. It's not like he's gone like, you know, so yeah. Uh, but those, those guys usually hold up, um, you know, yeah, you have in, to get, you have to get one of those, you have to get a one or two year rookie guy. Yeah. I agree with that, but you never yeah, know who that, it's going to be. Cause there's a lot of guys that miss too, Rojo and CEH and Penny and yep. Michelle. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not like you want to just be like, Oh, for sure. This is money in the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, the draft picks still have, you know, some some failure rate in them, even yeah. top end running backs. But, you know, for, by and large, when you get the really elite running backs, the, you know, the Bijans mm-hmm. and all these guys coming up, you know, we know they're going to be good, you know? Yeah, you pay up, you pay up for that. But yeah. in a, in the startup, like where I was and where it fell, I'm like, do I want to reach on an Aaron Jones? Do I want to reach on a David Montgomery? No, because they're they're not going to hold up value. So you know, instead of that, like I'll take a Cortland Sutton or an Allen Robinson and just wait yeah. because they have immediate value and I can always flip them if I want to. Yeah. And a Cortland Sutton or Allen Robinson could be as valuable for as long as some mm-hmm. of the running backs that are younger. You know what I mean? Yep. Like Sutton's probably got, you know, another three years. Well, who knows which running back is going to be, you know, still trucking in four, in three or four years from now. You just yeah. never know. Um, yeah. Let's, let's move on to Mike Evans, who, you know, you said I'm an ageist, so I must have him uh, way, way down there. Tell me why I have him too low. Uh, I think, well, God damn you. You have him too high. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and my thing with Evans, I, I mean, if you look at his resume, it's actually pretty insane. He's what, a thousand yards every single year. Like right. he's almost a surefire lock for the Hall of Fame if he continues this. Like it's a, his streak is amazing. Yes. My only concern with him at uh, 14 is it feels more of a redraft ranking. Uh, yeah. And it's only because of the Tom Brady questions. Like, does Brady have, is this his last year? Is next year's last year? Like, you don't really know. And the hard part with the unknown is, like, who comes in after Brady? Sure. Are they going to pass as much? Are they, you know, what does the team look like? Um I think Mike Evans is probably someone that 
you know, in a, in a lot of places might be a value just because he, you know, is uh, actually he's wide receiver 22 on keep trade cut. I think that's a great value because like he's going to wildly outperform that. I just think if you're looking at a two to three year window, I don't know how secure his stock is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, Mike Evans, you know, if we talk about him in value compared to even Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. it's like, who do you think is going to have a better season this year, Mike Evans or Devontae Adams? I'd say Devontae Adams, but I'd say they're very, very close in toss-up. redraft. Yeah. yeah, it's very close. I've got Mike Evans like, you know, look, before Godwin was getting all the good news and before they signed Julio, I felt like Evans was going to just, I mean, get a ton of targets and especially red zone targets. I don't think that goes away, but it's, you can turn the volume down just a skosh. So I think mm-hmm. he's definitely in the in the tier just behind those guys in redraft, but he's right in that next tier, you know, with CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb and everybody. Oh, and yeah. so if he's there, well, then why is he so much lower in Dynasty? They're similar age. And even a guy like Tyree Hill, whose role is unknown in his new uh, home, yes, he's tethered to contract, but, you know, for how long is he going to be elite? Um, you know, at least with Evans, you're like, I'm pretty freaking sure he's going to be good this year. And he's not too old where it's like, Oh, he'll just be out of the league next year. You know, he'll still yeah. live on, so to speak. You know, so I, I like Evans, especially considering how much of a ceiling he has this year. Yeah, and to me, the ceiling is is absolutely there for sure. I think between like those two guys you mentioned, like you know, Adams has Carr locked in, and like you know, Tyreek has yep. Tua locked in. Now, Tua might be <laughs> not. Tua great. might not have Tua locked in. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I, and I, I get that, but at least he has like a young quarterback tied to yeah. him. Whereas Brady and listen, we're both Brady sycophants. I yeah. very much understand it, but Brady seems like a one or two year max at this point. I mean, the yeah. him being gone is, is a little weird at this. Yeah. Point. Yeah. I but, can't imagine him playing in Tampa next year. I agree with you. Yeah. So this feels I, like I, a swan song. Yes. And that's, that's my concern is like, who is his quarterback next year? He, you know, Mike, Jimmy Emerson, G. Well, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> I know, but, I'm, just, I'm just playing. Right. But like Evan Stern's 30 next year and that's his last year. He he's all voided after this year. So then he becomes a, you know, a, a UFA and I, you know, I, I don't think wide receivers necessarily just absolutely fall off a cliff at 30. And I think he's good enough that he won't fall off a cliff. I think the unknown there is a little bit scary. But his upside, especially for this year, is is massive. All right, we're gonna we're gonna finish this off with a little bit of this or that. Okay. And so you guys are gonna play. It's gonna be fun as fuck, as it always is. And I'm gonna see where you guys are at with Rashad Bateman. Are we doing dynasty or redraft? Dynasty. 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 Who okay. do you prefer, Rashad Bateman or Deontay Johnson? Rashad Bateman. Bateman. I agree. Rashad Bateman or DK Metcalf? Bateman. Metcalf. So interesting. Rashad Bateman or Traylon Burks? Bateman. Bateman. Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore? Bateman. Touch touch his soul a little bit right there. Uh, Bateman. Rashad Bateman or Drake London? London. Bateman, but it's very close. Rashad Bateman, Michael Pittman. 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 There it is. So, I mean, look, you know, that's, he's flirting with, you know, top 12, 
mm-hmm. uh, wide receiver, you know, um, very interesting. Very, very interesting is Rashad Bateman right now. I think we all feel like he's going to, um, you know, deliver um, and be the guy we, we want him to be. But I think the ranking is baking in the fact that he may not. Is that about right? Because I think if you just think he's going to be that guy, then you should almost be, you know, having him even over Pittman, right? I think Pittman is actually a really good example of what people think about Bateman right now. I agree. If you look at Pittman yeah. a year ago, yeah. yep. which is yep. like, we know he's talented. We know that we think he can produce, but we didn't have to pay up for him. Right. Like mm-hmm. we would have a first round wide receiver normally like a Drake London or whatever. So yes. I think that's probably the best example possible in terms oh, yeah. of like his current value. Well, and- we're going to have to, we're going to have to do one more though. That is super, super important. And it's the George Pickens. Um, I've been, <laughs> dude, the George Pickens is sick. He's been doing that thing too, where he lines up over a wide receiver and then fucking shoulder pushes him to the ground, like on his ass. You know what I'm talking about? Where he just mm-hmm. shoves the guy like you did a guy in high school, throw him against the lockers. Like he basically does that. I was in band. Okay. <laughs> Remember when you used to get thrown up against the lockers? Yeah, vividly. All right. Remember that motherfucker with the two hands coming at you? That's what Pickens is doing. He's just chucking fools. Like it's super fucking dope. And um like he's sick. He he's got the he's got I mean, his his stock is going sky high. Mm-hmm. And so I would always ask. You know, I thought it was a fair question, you know, in the in the rookie draft was Pickens or Jamison Williams. So we'll start right the fuck there. Who you guys got? George Pickens or Jamison Williams in Dynasty? Pickens. You know I'm team Pickens, though. You know I love Pickens. We'll see how high you'll go. I mean, the hard part... Listen, I'm, I'm filibustering. Yeah, they both have unknowns at quarterback. I'm trying to think of like who does worse. Probably the Lions. So then they probably have a better quarterback next year. So I want to say Jameson. But doesn't it just feel like George Pickens is like cementing himself as like hashtag good at football? Like, do oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, because Claypool is like contract is whatever. Like yeah. Deontay's contract. I mean, he just signed, but like, yeah, it's tough. I'm, yes, I'm with it's, you. I think I think it's like. I think just Pickens is hashtag good at football. We need to get past it. But now yeah. how far up I do need we to move Pickens up my dynasty rankings significantly? <clears throat> Me too. So guys that he's behind on mine that I'm sure we're going to all like him ahead of, but we'll start Brandon Ayuk or George Pickens. Pickens. Uh, I went I with think, his other bay. I, I don't even like Brandon Ayuk that much, but that's like a really weird comparison. Yes. Because like they're change. just very different. Mm-hmm. This is me filibustering. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk because I think that's the smart call. But in three years, I would not be at all shocked that George Pickens is way ahead of him in dynasty rankings. Amari Cooper or George Pickens, Dan? Cooper. I mean, yeah, it's Cooper. I know. Okay. Fuck it. No, George Pickens. I don't like Amari Cooper and I stand by it. Christian I mean, Kirk, he's, he's Christian Kirk or Pickens? Christian Kirk or Pickens? Pickens. I don't even know where I have them. Uh, fuck. Dynasty rankings? Yeah. Dynasty. Just Dynasty. You got a Kirk. gun to your head. Or as the uh, Kirk. Uh, yeah, I'll go Kirk. What about Claypool? Pickens. Oh, Pickens. Pickens, Pickens, right? I mean, yeah. so he's like, no he's brainer. he's just knocking on the door. I mean, Marquise Brown, you guys like better. Amon Ra, 
What about mm-hmm. Gabe Davis or Pickens? Davis. I love, I love that. It's tough, but it's close. The the hard part is yeah. the, the the major caveat here is like if you were like literally a one for one trade of Amari Cooper and George Pickens or most of these guys versus George Pickens, it's really hard to not take the other guy because yeah. of value. But if you're right. telling me like Amari Cooper plus whatever the value makeup is to get or yeah, to Sorry, Pickens plus whatever to get to the same value as Cooper, I will take the Pickens side. If it's a one-for-one, it's very hard to say, I'm going to take the much less valuable player right now. Um, But if you can even out the sides value-wise with picks or whatever, I think my answer for almost all of them are Pickens. But, like, I have, you know, you have Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, Chris Olave. Don't you have those guys, like, kind of above that group that I just mentioned? Like, if if I said Cooper or Chris Olave or Cooper or Sky Moore, or Cooper or Garrett Wilson, would you have all those other guys ahead of Cooper? Olave and Wilson, yes. Sky Moore, I'm not totally sure. I think so, I have Sky Moore. Uh, where am I at, Sky Moore? I, I like Sky Moore. Especially isn't that Dynasty. kind of the point, though? Like, is Pickens yeah. now moved himself into that grouping? I think he kind of has He's to. always there for me, to be honest. Yeah. I'm um, just saying, like, at some point, he needs to be in the top 30 dynasty wide receivers and mm-hmm. i think people are paying for him in that in, at, at that price i've seen some bonkers trades for him but um in any event i just think he you know i just i, I mentioned like all preseason how i thought pickens was this guy who was like um you know he had that that elite profile except for the injury like everything about him was elite profile except for the injury the recovery from the injury and that's it you know and the, and the subsequent draft here. capital from the injury other than that like in and going to Pittsburgh was just like, oh, chef's kiss. Yeah. I think my my only concern with Pickens, honestly, is the quarterback in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. Because Trubisky obviously isn't a long-term guy. No. And Pickett, I don't know. But we've, we've seen good wide receivers with shitty quarterbacks, like DJ Moore. Mm. So, like, we, we've certainly seen it. So, I think it just depends on, like, what does Pickett become or, you know – what happens with the rest of the target competition. Cause like Pat Fryermuth, who we haven't talked about at all, like had an awesome, like actually like an amazing rookie year as a tight end. He did so, in any other, in any season where Kyle Pitts didn't exist, he would have yeah. gotten a lot more hype for being a rookie. Yeah. And I think a big, a big thing for me is Deontay right Johnson's contract. Like that actually mm-hmm. scares me a little bit. Cause I yeah. think I was counting on him being gone, which would have moved Pickens in with that one A slash B role because I, I think he's better than Claypool and I think Claypool is just not a good one necessarily. Yeah. I um, so that part of it I really think is interesting because now I'm not really sure what to think about the future of their wide receiving core. And it'd be one thing, like you said, if they had a really good quarterback that's like, if they had Josh Allen, it's like, I'm not as worried that Pickens is kind of like part of the second option. Mm-hmm. But if, it's Kenny Pickett and he turns out to just be average, then George Pickens not being the clear first option is what makes it a lot scarier for his future when you compare it to some of those other guys, which I think is more or less what you were saying. Yeah, it's just, you know, who, what type of, you know, what does the quarterback have the ability to carry two wide receivers yeah. and a tight end? And that's my, my really big concern with Pittsburgh is you have Deontay, who's a stud, Fryermuth, who had an amazing season, Claypool, is like you said, I'm not big on Claypool, but like 
he's fine. He's going to get targets. Like, yeah, he's going to so play like, and get targets. Is the volume there, and then is the ability there from the quarterback? That's my that's my concern with Pickens. Like, as a player, Pickens is amazing. Like, he's well, a stud. I would say that either Pickett is well. That this may not be true. Actually, I was going to say either Pickett is good or they'll replace him, but they may not. You know, I mean, it, it could be yeah. a Daniel Jones situation where it's multiple years down the road, and we're saying, why are they still rostering? You know, Kenny Pickett over trying to make a make a move, but yeah, but the late um, first is not equivalent to the top of the first. Agreed, totally agreed. Yeah, and that's 100%. like I, I said it at the beginning of the show, but like that, and also Pittsburgh isn't the Giants. Like that's the other they thing. They are they agreed. are a smart organization. So, yep. That's why, like, I, I'm not, personally, I'm just not that. If Kenny Pickett sucks, he sucks, and he's probably going to be gone. Like, yeah. it, I think it's as simple as that for me. So my concern there is, but are the Steelers going to be bad enough to have like a top ten? Pick? No, almost never. And, and and that's the issue is like, how do they then get up into the top what three to five picks? To get they probably won't. Better? They'll probably take another guy in the middle of the first. Yeah. But the, I would say this, that the, the quarterback classes in the, you know, coming up will be better. They'll mm-hmm. be deeper, yeah. 23 and 24. And, you know, you might see what like Kansas City did with Mahomes, what the Bears did for Fields, yep. you know, that sort of move into the guy who slips to the, you know, 10 or 11 or something like that. Yep. That's where some of these guys can be found. Or what uh, if they get where, a Mac Jones? That's where Herbert, that's where Herbert was. That's yeah, what I was going to yeah. say. Herbert, True. Josh Allen. Fields, Mahomes, well, Herbert Watson. was like sixth overall. So, who Herbert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, these guys tend to fall in that sort of not one, two, three. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. Herbert was the higher of them, but you get my drift. Like a lot yeah. of even Mac Jones, like you say, you know, some of these guys will will fall, especially in a loaded quarterback draft. So, yep. you know, I think mm-hmm. there's hope. And and you know, in dynasty, the old adage is, you know, try not to overvalue situation, just go after a good player. And I think hey, Jeff I think that's what Pickett is. I just think he's a good player. And so don't be afraid of the situation. The situation will change. The Mm -hmm. fact that he's a good player won't. On that note, we got to wrap it up, boys. So, hey, Michael P. Duncan, tell everybody where you are because they know where you are because I tell them every single week. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MPDuncan75. You can find me here uh, listening to Jax every week, uh, occasionally talking. You can find me uh, hosting the Undroppables Playbook playbook um every wednesday or most wednesdays at 8 p.m it will be every wednesday 8 p.m eastern during the season uh with ashley uh you can find that live on youtube or the next day where you listen to your podcasts dan tell everybody where you, where you can be found other than barstool sports at this particular point yeah you know your, your boy's big league uh big league. No, um awl saber metrics on twitter uh, you know, tune in, especially redraft, um, you know, every Monday night, uh, Brian and I, so BPO FSU is like our, our big stats guy, our big analytics guy. We do a, a redraft show um, where we talk about what do we see that weekend and then you know, Great show. How, how do we project it forward? It's, you know, I, I joke about it, it's the exact opposite of this show. It's 15 to 20 minutes max. Uh, and we essentially just cut straight, straight to the good stuff. And like, what do you want to know? What are the stats and why? Um, but if I can take a minute to plug it, uh, so I I am, you know, thank you guys. Pay Uh, attention. This is a fun one. You guys get to play fantasy football for this one. It's easy. That's true. So I'm a high school teacher. Um, this will be the third year doing it. It's a little bit late in the season. I want to do it sooner, but you know, life, um, so I, I run a fantasy charity league, and basically the idea is you can be a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher. It doesn't matter, uh, but it's a redraft-style league. You join in. Find me on Twitter. 
There's a sign-up sheet. I'll send you an email invitation. You do it. Uh, the goal is it's a charity league. You donate however much you want. It could be $0 if that's what you can afford. That's okay. If it can be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 50, whatever, that's amazing. Um, the idea is you donate money to an educational charity, whether it's No Kid Hungry and helping feed students that don't have don't have steady meals. Uh, one of the biggest things that you learn in education is like how many kids like don't have legitimately don't have access to breakfast or lunch. Like their parents don't have the money to provide it. Um, it's, I don't want to go on my soapbox, but it's heartbreaking, but like no kid to hungry helps that, uh, you could donate money to the Hayden Hurst foundation, which is student mental health, which is huge. And something as an educator, I can tell you over the past few years with the pandemic, uh, it's gotten really rough and kids need a lot of help. Um, but you can also just donate to a local charity. Um, you know, a member on the undroppables found a local charity in Baltimore and like the Baltimore educational system needs a lot of money. And he found an education, uh, educational charity that helps donate money to local kids. So the idea is it's totally up to you. I don't check whether you donate money or not. If you sign up, you're in the league. Uh, but the idea is hopefully if you can join, you can spare five, 10, $20 donate to an educational charity in, you know, nationwide or your local area to help students and, and help young kids um, just live their life and, and, and be kids and help help kids that way. And then you get to play in a fantasy league and play for bragging rights. Uh, but it's a charity based league and, you know, anyone that can, play and can you know donate is is amazingly appreciated seems like a pretty big ask uh donate as much as you damn well please to hungry kids wow really (laughs) really tough for people to uh, adhere to that one dan but honestly i hope people can join that league just for the fact that it'll bring awareness and and get some money everybody's got a little extra money to spare for such a thing so Mm -hmm. thanks for doing that dan that's pretty awesome and uh I, i love it man so yeah everybody get involved it's a lot of fun. Everybody wants to play fantasy football. You'll probably meet some really cool people in the league. Certainly some people who are like-minded uh, about being helpful and uh, who doesn't want that. So go do that shit. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Michael P. Duncan on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody at the undrafted on behalf of the greatest producer the world has ever seen, but an average guest. No, I'm joking. Michael P. Duncan. And on behalf of the great Barstool Reports, Dan (laughs) Bradley, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. (laughs) 